0: All right, welcome everybody to another edition of Tech Chat Tuesdays, a very tough name to say. Um, I am joined today by fellow engineer, senior front engineer, Drew DeKarm. How you doing, man? Good, what's up? Hey, so I'm Ken Rimple, uh, the host, and we've got a number of uh, interesting things to talk about today, specifically around uh, static site generation, as well as uh, server-side rendering of front-end applications. So Drew is one of our experts in that space and in the front-end, specifically he's done a lot of work with React, some work with Angular, a lot of work with JavaScript, CSS, TypeScript, things like that. So um, we're glad to have him on the channel. Um, So that's what our topic's going to be today. Uh, And then before we start with that, I just want to go through a few little pieces of news. First of all, let me share my screen here. Um, So if you go to youtube.com slash chariotsolutions, you'll see our playlist for this show if you happen to stumble upon it. Um, Also, we are a podcast and you can subscribe to the feed. Uh, So for example, if you go to playlists, Tech Chat Tuesdays, I'm not going to play this again, stop, Uh, you can subscribe. Uh, And click the little bell for reminders. If you're a YouTube person, you've heard that way too many times. Uh, But that's a way to get to the live stream. And we've got a lot of good stuff already in the three months we've been doing this. Uh, So in our Tech Chat Tuesdays, we've had uh, interviews with people like Alex Hillman, who released a book called The Tiny MBA. That was a fun one. Uh, we've had discussions on things like outages, breaches, and postmortems and where to find those to learn about what kinds of things fail and how they get resolved. We talked to like virtualized IDEs and development tools, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different things. So feel free to hit that up at youtube.com slash chariotsolutions. Uh, you can always visit our blog at chariotsolutions.com slash blog and find all sorts of things that we've been talking about in writing.
1: Some good um, stuff up there.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I love this blog. Um... We've got interviews, we've got, you know, writing, we've got a whole bunch of different things by different uh, technical experts on different technologies. So, for example, you'll see Keith Gregory puts a lot of stuff up on AWS, um, you know, and so on. So, mobile developers and Java developers and all sorts of different stuff on there. So, feel free to use our resources as much as you can, and we're glad you're here for today's interview. Uh, Coming up, news-wise, there is a giant elephant in the room, which is, of course, Apple themselves uh, are going to be uh, announcing uh, their whatever it is today at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, So (laughs) someone said uh, recently it was supposed to be like a a cheap Apple watch was one of the things they are going to talk about. And I believe there's something about the word time in the title for the talk. So I'm sure it's about the watch. Um, you know, Apple Watch is coming out with a new version uh, soon. I would think, based on that, maybe it's a plasticky one, uh, and the, supposedly it's two hundred dollars cheaper. So my wife might actually get one at this point because she's <laughs> gonna spend that kind of money, and she's a runner. So um, yeah, and uh, they're talking about potentially an iPad Air. Seems like the talk around the phone is like that. That's kind of cooled off. They don't think the phone will be ready in time. So anyway, that'll be interesting. And if we have anything to share, you know, I've been using all the betas for iOS fourteen. Uh, so maybe next week we can talk a little bit about that. I'm trying to line up a talk with one of our other people around iOS 14 and iPadOS 14 to have some discussions. So we'll see where that goes.
1: How's the beta count? Is it to everything? Or
0: I think it's great. Um, so so yeah. I don't normally get excited about iOS beta because it's always just little tiny tweaks. Yeah. But like, okay, so here's a real basic thing. Like you get a phone call on iOS and it takes over your whole screen you know that's really annoying like on 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 android usually it's like a little drop down like here comes a call it's a little easier for most android skins but for um for ios it just takes over now in ios 14 it's just a little tiny thing but it shows up as a little tiny notification with a hang up and a connect button and it's just really easy to use so little stuff like that all the way through the os they've really worked on like just making it more usable Um, the biggest thing really, uh, is widgets. So like you now have, and wow, what a surprise. What's a widget? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's think about, oh, I don't know, Android. Um, so basically they caught up with Android and now they have widgets easily, right? Five years (laughs) ago. So like you could put widgets, not only on a widget page, but you can drag them onto the home screen and they've got quarter and half and middle view versions of those things. So that's useful. Um, You can do things like there's a really good sleep management tool now. So when Mm. you go to bed, you can put even like actions. I just saw this on beta eight. You can put shortcuts on that page and say, okay, every time you're on the sleep lock page, add shortcuts to turn off your radios or do whatever you want to do, which is kind of cool. So just a lot of cool stuff like that. Um, so there's stuff to talk about on, on the iPad. What I really like is the, the Apple Pencil. You can actually write in handwriting on the screen in fields and it will fill them in. If I had good handwriting, that'd be great. But, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you know, so that's my, pretty cool.
1: My partner, Heather, she has the iPad uh, Air, like the iPad Pro, the big one. Oh, and yeah. she uses Apple Pencil all the time. She's really into illustration. She's like a fantastic um, artist. That's awesome. Um, and that thing has like saved so much time for her, she loves it. So she'll be stoked about that. I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm like the worst user for Apple because I have like seven or eight pages of apps and all I do is pull the, pull the search bar down and just search my app and just select it there. I have no yep. idea where
0: my apps are, so. Oh, maybe that's maybe, another thing. It will help. <laughs> no, it will because um, one of the things, I don't know if I could do this, but uh, one of the things they have is they've got this app library thing now. I don't know if you can see this here. What a great camera shot, right? but right? they have an auto organized app library. So they oh. do it by categories. Yeah. And so, you know, and then you can pull any of those off. You can right click on them and add them or look at the whole view of those types of applications. Now they set the categories up. So I'm sure that'll be fun for people. Perfect. Yeah. So,
1: so like trying to find icons that other people named. Is it settings? Is it cog? Is it gear? I
0: don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, so that's that, uh, we also have some upcoming events. So on the chariot solutions, uh, website, there's an events tab. It's actually under resources events. I know we kind of categorize things to try to keep things in the menus and I'm sure there's a usability person would tease us for that, but under resources <laughs> events. So all this code build, we can stomach in 45 minutes. This is my snarky title. Uh, no one loves build tools. Uh, are always, you have to get things done in them. And whenever you wade through a new build tool or a build orchestration tool, there's usually just a lot of stuff that's you got to know by doing, right? Or someone sitting down with you and saying, hey, here's how you run the code build locally so that you don't have to submit it 50 times and wait a minute and a half to five minutes each time to get an answer because you had a missing comma somewhere. So um, that's the kind of stuff I'm going to bring up. So we'll have 45 minutes or so of lecture and then question and answer. Uh, and that is for Philly Tech Week. So you can go to our events page, uh, chariotsolutions.com slash events, and uh, you can hit up that one again, right off of resources events. Uh, and then sign up. It's free. It's at 10 a.m. Uh, next Tuesday, uh, the 22nd. Also, uh, we have something coming up that we haven't really like put on screen yet, but we're doing a Java at 25 event. Uh, we have a special speaker lined up. So look at our Twitter feed at at Uh, or on our web page under events, and you'll check that out soon when that comes out. All right. So that's the main thrust of it. Um, Oh, and of course, I'm showing you all this stuff without showing you. I do this every freaking time. Hey, look, everybody. Here's the screen. Wait a minute.
1: (laughs) I had it all memorized,
0: so. See? that's Yeah, that's good. So there's all (laughs) the code code you can stand, uh, code build you can stand, uh, events, and right there it is. All right. Uh, also, I don't know if this has happened already. Let me see about the product tank. Yeah, that's already over. All right, good. So we'll leave that as it is. Uh, okay, cool. So what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about content-based uh, sites. So Drew, um, let's talk a little bit about like content management on websites, right? So we all started out da- you know, dealing with dynamic sites and pulling up data from databases or from you know, different files to, to render things like a WordPress app or something like that. Um, but the, for a long time now, people have been generating uh, content-rich sites. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you ran into that and uh, specifically around Gatsby.
1: Um, good question. I mean, I, I guess I could start. I'll start at the beginning of time. Um, <laughs> the at the earth cooled oh. <laughs> At the beginning of time, there was this thing called WordPress. So heavy PHP. Um, you did a lot of the um, server and client interactions um, all within one big package, and then you deployed that as sort of a single entity. Um, then people realized it was slow, and JavaScript you know, took off and everyone was like, hey, you know, JavaScript is the greatest thing in the world, and then we had these single page frameworks. So as far as content goes, content had to shift. So you saw a lot, or the trend you're seeing now these days is shifting your rendering solution away from your content, right? So you have these content management solutions like, Contentful, Prismic, um, you know, there's uh, like Webany, um, all sorts of things like that. Um, so, you know, if you were a heavy engineer and you were really into into making your own solutions backed by content, that's kind of a stack that you chose. Now, there's other other solutions out there which people are probably more commonly um, commonly used to is like Squarespace and uh, Weebly. Um, And Those are your site your site creators. So those have sort of like a monolithic approach to it and more of like a GUI where you can go up and You know edit your content and edit your website at the same time Um, So, you know from WordPress being what it was there's obviously a massive evolution in how you can build a website or build a a content-based marketing site or anything like that Um, but you know what what I've really seen come to light is the maturation of the frameworks that use um, some of the headless CMSs. So things like Next, things like uh, Gatsby, um, you can even go as far as like, you know, uh, Vue. Um, I'm not sure if Angular, I don't know if Angular has their own, um, sort of their own tie into that, but pretty much anything that you use a headless CMS that has an API, you pull data from the API, much like you're using a single page application and then you render your, you render your content. Mm-hmm. So, um, from that perspective, it's been it's, it's it's really tough to keep up with this stuff too, because these things oh, go so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's like the light of speed, um, or the speed of light. So, um, kind of what where our big ballpark has been is, you know, since we're a, an engineering uh, consultancy, is what can we do? How can what are these tools that we can learn to make sure that if there is a different content strategy, rather than us scaling an API what are the things that we can do on the front end to make sure that we can sort of fit into that, right? Right, So um, obviously it really depends upon the solution. So if we had a solution that's more dynamic, we're probably gonna reach for um, the actual single page application frameworks like React or Angular or Vue. Um, But you know, if we do marketing sites or if we work work for the client that's trying to build out their existing content strategy and have a bit of a more, um, you know, Custom-built solution. Then we would start to look at some of the frameworks that do provide static, static generation. So um, it's it's really just kind of all over the map, and I think my answer is kind of all over the map right now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's Gatsby and Next have kind of reared their head, especially in my area of expertise, um, to to be like sort of the major players, which you can work with any sort of any sort of content strategy, right, or any sort of right. strategy in general, right? You have um, you have Gatsby, which is necessarily meant for, um, you know, static sites. You have next, which is more of your traditional things that you used to see back in like the, um, .NET, like CS, HTML days where you have static, you have content that's generating static pages. Um, so those, those two in my area are probably the biggest things that I've been, I've been looking at and honestly, Ken, to, to answer your question, getting back to it. The way that I started really learning about these. They're doing side projects and individual projects for you know friends family things of that nature
0: yeah yeah um, that makes sense it's like how can you do a lot of that work if they've got the data already somewhere and you can just generate from the data yeah you know contents mm-hmm. catalogs and things like that right someone exports a you know a catalog of of, of things they want to put online and you could turn it into a spreadsheet convert it to something else like json and then sip it right yeah um, so let's 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 do this methodically then. Let's start off with Gatsby. So so we started off. You ran into Gatsby early on, and you started using it. Um, well, my notes go away. So uh, how did you uh, run into Gatsby? Like what what caused you to kind of search for it and stumble into it?
1: I think it was part of the React ecosystem. Um, you know, us as engineers, we subscribe to these different you know blog sites and, and things of that nature. Medium really picked up a lot of steam too. In the past mm-hmm. five years, um, so maybe some articles on Medium, um, but the really Gatsby kind of reared its head as like, hey, you know, you can you can build HTML sites or sites in HTML with React, and people are like, oh, wow, that's great. You know, if you've ever tried to scale your own um, HTML files with your own CSS, and then you know, using post facto DOM target manipulation with like jQuery or vanilla JS or something like that, it, it's it's near impossible you know
0: yeah
1: um so the idea of creating that html using react is like wow you know that that's going to save me a ton of time i can use the patterns i'm using to create my apps but i can also use those same patterns to create static sites Mm -hmm. so when it first came up gatsby was like a static site generator you know it it created the html that you needed at build time to to make your site and it's built as lightning fast you know there is no there is no server to interact with. It's all static content. Um. So that that's where I ran into Gatsby for the first time.
0: Okay. So right. so you ran into Gatsby. You, you were able to use it uh, to generate your static site. Um. Am I correct in understanding that the basic querying mechanism is GraphQL for for Gatsby?
1: Yes. Gatsby's okay. Gatsby's entire fundamental paradigm is that you have just one big graph that you draw your data from at build time and mm-hmm. when. Your data from there. You can insert your data dynamically into your content. It's generate, it's built, and then it's um, stuck into the HTML files.
0: So now, let's say you have got you know uh, a friend that you're building a website for. Um, how did you approach getting the data in the right format for that? Did you you know create schemas and run things in like a, a, a GraphQL server? Did you use a third party open source thing uh, like like an online service? What, what did you end up using for some of that stuff? Um. So
1: one of the big benefits about Gatsby is their plugin ecosystem. Um, there's, uh, it's a, obviously an open source tool, you can create a plugin for it. So you don't necessarily have to go out and, and create your own nodes, um, create your own graphs to then filter into the Gatsby API to then you know, get your content. So if you use a lot of these headless CMSs like Contentful and Prismic and you know, all the other ones, those are just, I guess, some of the major players. Um, you they typically they have an open source tool that someone has created at some point in time to access the data from there, right? So you go into those tools. You um, yeah, exactly right here. Uh-huh. So you can pretty much search anything you want. Okay. Um, so search for, like for contentful or something like that, All right? So uh,
0: of course we try to find the right. way. Yeah, <laughs> source contentful. It's got two hundred and
1: thirty-five thousand downloads. That one. That yeah. sucker right there, yeah. So this is this is the plugin ecosystem, right? It makes it very, very easy to use any of the existing like major players in the content ecosystem. And then you can uh, just say, all right, I'm gonna use my classic NPM install. I'm gonna follow these three configuration points and then I'm gonna be off to the races, right? right. So then those nodes by themselves are, are created and you have access to the content that you have inside the Gatsby GraphQL, yeah
0: okay so basically it will convert for build time it will convert some source into something that will have a GraphQL graph in this case um even if it was some other format it's going to put it in a format that you can then query in a graphql format so that that's the lingua franca of this thing is to get it going exactly cool so
1: let's say let's say for instance that a content management solution doesn't have a graphql api right Mm -hmm. they have like a traditional rest um you know rest solution so what Gatsby allows you to do is call those endpoints um, for whatever you have. Um, and then it gives you a couple of API points that you can take that content and filter it into the existing uh, framework for the, the graph that Gatsby is expecting. And then the user or the developer um, has that already there. So the legwork has to be done inside the plugin. It's not necessarily like everything has to be GraphQL. Well. You can get it from any source you want. But right. Gatsby's ultimate paradigm is like every plugin, anything you do, anything you fetch data from, Should be fetched using the central GraphQL API.
0: Okay, Um, and so now, uh, in terms of theming and and layout, you're completely open to doing whatever you want to do. I'm assuming, like you know, if if you're used to doing like your CSS and JS frameworks, you would use something like that, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, more uh, more plugins. If you want to use the CSS (laughs) and JS solution, you download a you know, let's say let's use styled components for for instance something I. You know, intrinsically reach for every single time that I, I start a project. I still love that um, thing. Yeah, it's awesome, right? Yeah. it's 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 nice because it's 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 as close to the CSS spec as possible. Um, right. Not a lot of object notation and special happy things that go on in JSS. Mm-hmm. So you can use this, and then what Gatsby does at um, at build time, or what the plugin does when Gatsby um, builds your solution, right? Looks at all your CSS, finds the things it needs to um, insert um, in. Uh, statically. And then it generates that CSS and sticks it at the top of
0: the page or at the top of the document. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So then, you
1: know, like that massive tool ecosystem to completely remove all the the mental load and overhead of what you previously would have to do, you know?
0: Right. But one of the negatives, and I I have a couple of articles we can talk about briefly and share, but one of the the knocks on Gatsby uh, seems to be that uh, it ends up being everything's its own little unicorn of plug-in connections right That's kind of like WordPress too right you end yeah. up, I've suffered through WordPress because it works and it's like it keeps the the shoemakers having to worry about you know having their own shoes out of the equation for our consulting firm it works it's good enough it gets the content out there but ultimately mm. at some point it starts to kind of collapse on its own weight right So if you're working in Gatsby a lot, I'm assuming there's a lot of bespoke configurations to, to create for different customers.
1: Yeah, so I can give you a I can give you a very specific example of how this really came back to bite me in the ass. Um, Okay, it was so I needed to I needed to uh, for for a friend. um, I'm just a family member is basically I needed to access some data from the stripe API. So stripe Mm -hmm. is a, a way to process credit cards, right? Yeah, right. And the Gatsby plugin allowed me to get everything except the the new price implementation, and it wasn't going to be released since it's an open source tool for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So the plugin had everything except the thing that I needed. So I was like, all right, I have to go and try to figure out a way to get the data that I need into my um, into my Gatsby site. So uh, the method that I went about going is I um, used. I think there was probably about four APIs in their in Gatsby's build process to actually eventually create the node. So I had to first get the data using REST. Second, I had to uh, mold that data into the shape that I wanted. Third, I had to create a Gatsby node. Fourth, I had to iterate over that node to create multiple nodes to create a single node which had a single like you know get single data, and then an all nodes which had a bunch of edges of nodes. So. I went through six or seven steps to eventually get the data that I needed into the Gatsby GraphQL API. When really all I could have done is gone into the file, called the endpoint, and got the data that I needed. So right, right. It's it's great. So here, here's my and here's the beef that I've had with the entire abstraction. And and this has kind of reared its head as you really get to use some of the more advanced concepts of the tool. Um, it's. Everything from the build process is all abstracted out into Gatsby build process. So, mm-hmm. if you do Webpack in the past and you knew it tooth and nail, you knew loaders, you knew um, you know different ways that you could work with plugins and uh, the different types of modes that you needed to set, so on and so forth. Gone, right? No, you now you, you have access to that a new set of proprietary APIs, or not proprietary, but you know uh, uh, their own APIs that Gatsby has. Like create node on after create node things of that nature to eventually get your data or get your your build back in there, right? So it's it's good if and I'm I'm really gonna like hang myself here, but it's good <laughs> if you're you you have the plugins that you need, you have the things that are already there for you, and it gets very very fast, very very quick, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you add a couple of plugins. Um, you configure it the way it does, do it configure the way it says, and then boom, you have your site, right? But when you start to get in more advanced concepts, especially with um, interacting and integrating with other services that may or may not be a part of the plugin system, that's when it really has a problem. And that's when you have to do a lot of the manual legwork. Um, right. And it can be done, you know, and it, it works just as, as much as they said it does, it's eloquent. You know, you can pull in data from Google Sheets, combine it with some data from Stripe, put it into a single node and you have combined data there. But again, doing that legwork is is always a, a lot more than it, it really needed to be.
0: So I bring up uh, that question because uh, in researching this, and I, I played a little bit Next.js in the past, we actually two summers ago, uh, I had a, a client that a week before my React training class said, do you mind if we do this on Next.js? I'm like, what? <laughs> what is Next.js? So I spent a couple. I'm like, I don't know. I'll take a look and see if I can kind of translate. It was easy to pick up because it was basically server-side rendered React where you whatever page you hit is already generated, and it starts a React app up to do the rest through an SPA. At least that's what I understood it to be at the time. Um, so you've got your single-page app, but you also have content that's generated on a server. Um, so, so you, you know, this article that Jared Palmer, who is the creator of React router, I believe, or no, is it Formic? He's the Formic developer, um, has a really good like write-up of, you know, he was using Gatsby for a lot of his projects and then he ended up going to Next.js specifically because kind of like, parap- I'm not really paraphrasing, I'm kind of making up a quote, but it's like the easy things are relatively easy, but the hard things are really hard. Right, so you run into these things where you've got to integrate data, and all yeah. of a sudden you've got to take a, a plugin and put it on the OR. So you're dealing with operating through a plugin, fixing it for yourself. And if we scroll down, he has like a whole like uh, you know discussion about like what he had to do to deal with converting an RSS feed. Like he was doing a podcast. You know, it's not in GraphQL. It's an XML because RSS is an XML format that Apple invented, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, 15 years ago. Uh, And he had to convert it to – so this is what this – his plugin ended up doing was fetching an RSS feed in XML uh, uh, and then converting it to JSON, plucking the episodes array off the JSON object, walk through every entry, tweak it with magic – then added each entry to Gatsby's GraphQL layer as an episode node it blah 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 blah. but then he had to do two more fetches because he had to get the show itself, which was a different fetch, and then some other piece of information uh and so he's just like, "This is painful, you know and then when it blew up, it just said, "Yeah, I blew up somewhere around here yeah
1: it's the 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 error notification system is brutal. Uh, again, <laughs> That system has, or that notification system has been abstracted away from the original Webpack internals. So, you know, the errors that Webpack would throw, you don't know them anymore.
0: You now just get like to... Gatsby node.js, right? Like it's the generated yeah. Node file. <laughs> like what do I yeah. do with this?
1: That's symptomatic of a framework, right? You do the things the framework says. You know, yeah. I mean, if I if I had another session right now, I could go into all the things that I don't like about
0: Angular. The... Just
1: cause... <laughs> don't want me to box, right?
0: i I did that to you on purpose yeah (laughs) i i I Um, must say at full uh, disclosure i forced drew to to wrestle with angular on the prior project just because i wanted to see him sweat and he still (laughs) didn't sweat (laughs) um yep yep yep, so yeah so the client wanted that but you know it's the kind of thing where you know you're right you get hooked into the framework and the framework can leave you flat um all right so anyway so you ran into uh for a project you're working on now, a reason to use this next framework we're talking about, which is Next.js. So let's talk a little bit about the difference here. So, you know, Next.js is another open source framework. What does it do?
1: So the the big selling point of Next.js is that it's your traditional server-side rendering. Um, so basically what that means is that, um, when you when the client goes and requests a page you're actually getting the full html page that is rendered on the server so outside of gatsby what happens is gatsby builds all of your files let's say that you have a home page right when you run gatsby build it'll build that page out and it'll stick it in your um, in the files for the the website statically right um, but when you use next and you have dynamic content on your home page next will create that on the server and then it will send it to the client so um, basically, you have all of the um, all of the, I'd say the traditional means of um, what we used to develop with, where you would actually create HTML on the server and then send it to, um, send it to the client. So it's getting kind of back to the whole roots of, of you know, web development, web, web application development. Um, but you have a lot of the benefits of working on the server, right? So you can choose if you want to do things um, dynamically, to do things statically. You there's a lot more improvements that have come over the past couple of months. I'd probably say past year um, mm-hmm. for next than um, that have made it kind of like a, a better player than Gatsby, or more extensible player. I'd say.
0: Well, um, so, to that aim, right? You have access directly to the Webpack tool, right?
1: Yes, yes. So uh, next big next is like big idea was hey, you know, everyone up to this point has probably learned Webpack or fought with it in some in some <laughs> form or fashion. Let's not create like, these ridiculous abstractions over an existing tool. Let's you know, provide some sort of hookins that you can actually um, create your own webpack configs or your own Babel configs. That's a whole other thing if you're not using TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let people do things the way that they have been doing for a while um, if, they were, if they weren't using uh, Create React App. Um, but at the same time, let's give them some APIs on the server side that can make their development experience a little bit better um and ultimately give you just a better better client a better client experience as well.
0: So am I correct in saying that when you download it if if you truly generated some content and it's pages you can hit and they're pre-rendered you can also get a, re, a fully running react app on the client side once you hit a page that is components.
1: Exactly, yes. Yeah. So the two things that Gatsby and Next do the exact same way are I'll say four things I'm going to go under compare and contrast two things Yeah go ahead. Um, both use react to render your HTML right mm-hmm. that is that's the biggest thing that's the biggest selling point of both of these frameworks and they are frameworks. Um, the second thing is that if there is dynamic content on the page that the build system can't um, understand as static content, um, it will create JavaScript chunks for it. It'll create just random JavaScript chunks that you're used to seeing with create React app. Um, and it will insert those into the head of the document that it serves, and then when the document is loaded, you th- basically says, "All right, I've rendered all the static content, and now I'm going to rehydrate the page using React, and then you can render, you can run the rest of the page in React." So it's kind of like a hybrid rendering strategy where you serve as much static content as you possibly can to get your first meaningful paint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, based upon the next data, um, or sorry, the data that you have that is relatively dynamic, React will be instantiated on the page, and then um, it allows you to run the rest of your React code as a traditional React app. Um, so-, so does
0: that include like other links? So, for example, you you create some links to a routed to page, right? It's not running mm-hmm. React Router; it's Next Router, right?
1: Yeah. So each each routing mechanism uh, ties into the how the framework decides that routing is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, with Gatsby, and the thing that we're using our our, um, our existing client right now, is we're using that sort of hybrid strategy where we're trying to render as much static content as possible first, right. i.e. pages, and then rehydrate the page with React. Um, but where that kind of broke down is the fact that um, we require authentication on every single page. So mm-hmm. most every single page right now is a dynamic uh, is a dynamic page. Um, so I lost my train of thought, where was I going with that, Ken?
0: Oh, uh, so, so we're talking about the the oh man, so do I, <laughs> uh, first chink in the armor. <laughs> no, so 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 basically, um, the point being that you've got like React on the client side for the 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 next style of doing things. You actually download a, a React component, but then you want to route somewhere else, which was oh, where I was yeah. going.
1: Yeah, so when you route somewhere else, uh, the framework understands whether you're going to a natural page or whether you're going to a dynamic route. Mm-hmm. Um, and dynamic route would be um. Anything inside of React. So Gatsby's main strength is that it allows you to render all of your static content as possible. Let's say you have a marketing site paired with a um, application mm-hmm. um, sort of on the same domain, not on a different subdomain. Mm-hmm. You can render all of your pages that you want as your marketing site, and then you can have a link that goes out to a dynamic portion of the application, and then from there, it's a traditional React application. Okay. Um, where Next gives you the gives you the same ability, um, but a lot of that intelligence isn't done at build time. The intelligence is done on the server, so you're still going to be getting a, a HTML page that is actually very, very fast and can be rehydrated with React. But you have the ability with Next to make that decision dynamically, mm-hmm. rather than saying, "All right, well, I actually want this to be a little bit different, so I have to go back and rebuild my entire solution, deploy it uh, on code build if you want, um, and then and then and then see that sort of change."
0: Right, okay. So the other thing that I saw that was a big deal is that they don't really force you down a road for a lot of things. So for example, the querying mechanism could be anything you want, even node file APIs, right? hmm absolutely. That seems to be a huge advantage.
1: It, it really is. I mean, there, there's a big push, especially from the way that I, I engineer engineers to co-locate certain topics and certain ideas, right? So we went from this whole division, especially when Redux was introduced. Like you have to separate all your files by their concern, not necessarily by their feature, right? So yeah. now there's a push to pull everything back toward this, this group feature. So if you, instead of like making all the calls that you need in you know in a separate place, let's say that you have a page that needs to be duplicated 500 times for 500 blog posts, Next allows you to do all that um, data fetching, all that rendering, and all that like, let's say dynamic intelligence right in one file. So you don't have to have like four editors open at once looking in six different places trying oh, to track great. where things are going. So the beauty of that is that there's no magic sauce behind it. It's like you you fetch your data you need for that page, um, you use some of the APIs that Next provides to either render your content um, in traditional SSR, whether you want to render your content statically or whether you want to just use, um, you know, like I said, the traditional SSR and then you give the page to the client.
0: Gotcha. I'm actually uh, throwing up something. This will be a bad move. Um, <laughs> for sure, it's going to be screwed up. Um, but uh, let's see here. We have, like, there are a whole bunch of examples on their website of, like, integrating with a, a bunch of different types of content types, right? So if there's a, a REST route that you want to integrate, right, there are samples for that. Um, and if I remember correctly, let's see if I do this right, there's a method, of course, I won't be able to find it now, Uh, yeah, I won't be able to find it now figures. Uh, but, uh, the, the method is like, there's a, there's a callback API, right? So just like all the other react, uh, features, there's, there's like a method that you call in react to generate the dynamic content or the static content, I should say, as it's running through, through and doing the build. Right. Like uh, you, correct. You implement a method like uh get something or other. Um, yeah,
1: everything with next is uh get static props if you thank want you. to render a static page. Well, thank um, you for that. <laughs> yeah. Um another one with next is uh get initial props, which basically gets the initial data that you need to serve to the page. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is uh get server-side rendered props. Um and then so there's there's different APIs that, that next provides you to be able to feed the data to the page or mm-hmm. get the data. The page to render a certain way
0: gotcha yeah i was trying in real time to find something which is always a
1: failure <laughs> like in public.
0: yeah i'm not i'm not afraid of that anymore i I've, I've felt the pain and all the nerves are damaged so it's okay now <laughs> um any other advantages do you think for for using next over something like gatsby that you've you've found that are really useful um like
1: two things. Uh, the first would be you can make a distinction on what content you want to load initially uh, mm-hmm. as part of a server server-side rendering strategy, and then you can make the decision that you want to render some other stuff dynamically on the client. So let's say that you're let's say that you're rendering Google Maps, right? Mm-hmm. On the left hand side, you could provide uh, sort of like the overall summary, just some of the initial data points. You can render that on the server, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when the user goes there that content will maybe take, let's say it will take a half a second to render and be served to the client. But let's say the map actually is a little bit more intense. You don't necessarily wanna stop the user from seeing the page or seeing the information about the map or seeing the information about the place that you searched. So we can tell the page to say, all right, when you get to this amount of data, you can render the page and we'll let the map load in the background while the user is inspecting the left-hand side. So you can can slice and dice however you want um, your page to render um, to get the fastest meaningful paint to the user rather than it being an all or nothing approach uh, with Gatsby. It's like at build time you must know exactly what is going to be statically rendered um, or statically generated and then the rest is all going to be dynamic. So next gives you a lot of uh, ability to, um, it gives you a lot of ability to kind of figure out exactly exactly the way that you want your page to work and the way that you u- want your user to interact with the page and the speed. Um, and then the second thing is is that next is, a, is becoming like a full stack framework, a full stack node framework. Um, their API system is built on built on Express, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have the ability to co-locate your pages and write um, your actual API inside of inside of Next.js. The mechanisms in which you do that too um, are, if, if you're familiar with Next.js, you go into the source directory. You next to your pages directory, you get an API, or inside of your pages directory, you get an API directory, mm-hmm. and then there, Next.js knows that any time I call something on the same domain with uh, slash API, I'm going to go to the file system routing and I'm going to look for the API um, methods inside of, um, in, inside of that, in that side of that directory. Very now, cool. Very, very cool, right? Um, yeah. So when you deploy next, you're actually deploying, if, because you have server-side rendering, the next step is say, all right, well, my API may as well be node, it may as well be like monolithic to this this application, so why not put that in there, right? right? Now the added benefit on top of that too, is that you have the ability, if you deploy your application to Versal's uh, hosting system, I think for teams, it's like 20 bucks a month.
0: Oh, that's um, not bad, yeah.
1: but. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, right? Yeah. And, you know, dynamic CDN uh, delivery, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, edge network delivery, anything that you probably see, possibly see with like Netlify or Cloudflare, or any, right, of, the, yeah. uh, any of the other net, uh, like network edge sites. Versal mm-hmm. does this specifically for an XJS, um, but when you deploy your APIs, you can actually deploy them. And if you create your your site, your, sorry, your site um, statically it will take every function that you have inside of your API file and create it to a serverless function. So okay. from there, if you decide that you create an API next to a statically um, generated site, you have the ability to then uh, call different API endpoints using the serverless functions because there is no, you know, said server, right? You can right. do all, all that stuff at build time. So there's a lot of extensibility using a lot of the different parts of Next.js that Gatsby doesn't provide, but Gatsby does, or it is a very, very elegant solution for I think getting up very, very fast, getting up very, very quick, in um, some of your more, um, more simple use cases for stuff, for plugins and things like that that already exist.
0: This is going to come out of left field, but is there a migration path for people who have built on Gatsby, given that it's there's some React to it, uh, or is it completely gut everything and start again, if you were converting it's, it to Next?
1: So. Funny, you should ask because we're right in
0: the, <laughs> the next
1: but right in the middle of that migration. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not as bad as you would think. Uh, you have to obviously you have to replace, and since we're using TypeScript, the types the types are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the mechanisms of the page types for Gatsby are different than the, the mechanisms of the types of pages for Next. Oh, when so
0: so you can do TypeScript with Gatsby as well.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay. But All right. You have to enable it yourself. Oh, of
0: course, yes, Whatever. like everything.
1: Yeah, but with Next, when you have a when you have a TypeScript file a ts config, it automatically recognizes that, and that's the beauty of Good. it. If you have a webpack config, it recognizes that. If you have a babel config, it recognizes that. So, again, when a lot of the existing tools out there recommend you put these configuration files in the root of the directory, you know, Next follows that convention too.
0: Okay. Okay. Very cool.
1: So yeah. Guess- so the migration path in itself. Um, You're dealing probably with different types. Um, Because they have opinionated ways on uh, their directory structure, uh, you are going to be putting your files in a different manner. But it's a matter Mm -hmm. of just moving directories. Just shuffling Um,
0: things around a little bit, yeah. yeah,
1: Next uses file system routing. um, And Gatsby also, it doesn't use file system routing, but the the pages that you put inside the pages directory are rendered exactly as they are. Mm -hmm. um, Where there's a couple of different, if you want like a, let's say you want like a blog slash whatever the slug of that blog is. Um, Next requires you put it in the semantics that they have, which is a file name with brackets around it, which kind of makes the idea of the file name being dynamic. So outside of the routing, outside of the sort of directory shuffling, um, and then outside of the linking too, they both provide uh, their linking mechanisms. Like if you click on a link on a page, you have to click on a different, It brings you to whatever the framework decides is Mm the like. So there's not too many semantics. I mean, at the end of the day, it's React. And if you build your React application correctly, you should have architected your features away from the pages.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Ostensibly, you know, all you're doing is moving pages. um, And when you do separate your concerns like that, you're basically delegating your pages the. the responsibility of just rendering a typical react feature rather than putting all of your all of your features inside of the page if you architect that correctly it's a it's a maybe a day or two task for a uh, mid application you know if you're dealing with a large legacy application or a large legacy site that well then it's whatever
0: it is yeah right yeah yeah <laughs> you know, that
1: grows it grows linearly without lin, linear
0: linearly what so. you said yeah, yeah yeah i have the same um, problem <laughs> first of
1: all, it grows linearly with how many uh, instances of a page that you have, or how many right. instances of a, um, of a route, or, or something of that nature. But right. you'll find that as you start to, to pull these things out, um, let's say that you have 40 pages of something, um, and then you have another page that is your blog template, and then that generates 500 pages, mm-hmm. you'll see that instead of having to provide all 40 pages plus 500 with the same GraphQL API, you can co-locate your concerns. And then that page is only concerned with the blog post that you have. Um, so it's, as you start to do it, you feel a lot, you feel a lot better about yourself where you can delete a lot of like really large, you know, force configuration files. So
0: yeah, that feels really good. Whenever you have to, when you can get rid of junk that you just had to do for a framework and it just works the other way. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to clear up a couple things. So, um, Angular does have server-side rendering. I just didn't remember the name of the tool. It's called Angular Universal, so they do. But also, you mentioned Vue, and that's true. Uh, Vue uh, is creating an SSR version of itself, too. So, you know, if you were a Vue developer and you were looking for the same kind of feature from Vue, you could look into what they're doing uh, as well.
1: Um, You know, server-side rendering
0: certainly is one useful thing to take a look at. Yeah, I think the really
1: interesting thing about React, though, is you know, Vue is a framework, Angular is a framework, right? They already have these conventions on things that you should be putting inside of the DOM to render certain things, so on and so forth, right? Right. When it comes down to it, React is ultimately a riot library, so there could be anybody out there interfacing that library and putting it into their own framework. So, like I said before, Gatsby's a framework; it, had, you know, you do things a certain way with them, but then you have Next.js, which serves a, a pretty similar purpose, but but still has a lot of other like more extensible features and it's using React in their own way, right? So yep. ultimately you're building a React application, but depending upon the use case you have, you can use different frameworks. And that I think is a really like, uh, it's a really it's a really nice thing to have, have choice. Cause yeah.
0: you know, what if you um, have, and this is another completely out of left field thing, you know, you, you've got React developers who subscribe to React with some sort of state store and let's say they used Redux uh, and they want to add some, you know, server-side rendering to those applications. Is it possible to take an almost completely fully-fledged React application with the router and Redux and add Next.js features to it or, you know, something like that? Or are you basically kind of having to re-architect a lot of that stuff?
1: I don't think you really would have to re-architect a lot of stuff. Um, I I haven't done that before. I haven't used Redux in like two years. Yeah. It's a thought experiment
0: Uh, more than anything else for me, you know?
1: Yeah. I'd have to check into, into the way that they actually would recommend it, but like the community goes, you know, it's, it's probably already documented. It's probably already been done so many times and I'm sure next has a very opinionated way on how you would manage Redux. Right?
0: Yeah, probably, probably. Okay. All right, cool. Are there any other tools besides next and Gatsby that are on your radar for this kind of, uh, process?
1: <sighs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I
0: You're don't in the know. Think of I, it I, with I, next right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's not enough hours in the day to research the entire <sighs> ecosystem. That's very um, true. Most of the, most of the the things that I've seen recently coming out have been more on the content side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Next and Gatsby have kind of been in this—I call it like the HD DVD, like Blu-ray fight. <laughs> Am I dating myself right now? I don't know. Uh,
0: I uh, think so. Yeah.
1: yeah. Welcome to the group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have these these two like similar concepts competing for sort of the um, there are two major players competing for the the market cap, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but on the content side, it's kind of free form. So you have uh, serverless content management. You have. Um, you know, let's call it hosted content management. Things like your um, uh, your Contentful, is your prismix your I think Webony is maybe Webony is a, another site. I I can't remember, but yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, any, anything derivation of, of of Contentful is is kind of like your more content experience. So there's a massive explosion going on as far as like that goes, right? You right. can do anything you want with your. Con- I mean, even even WordPress has their own API now. So all right, you don't want to use WordPress. You can use still use WordPress to host your data, but you can use whatever framework you want because it's a headless CMS too. Right. So I see a lot more going on in that area than I necessarily do in the um, in the rendering tools or the, the frameworks around React.
0: One one other note to make is that if you are generating content, you still you have to schedule these generations to happen in some way, shape, or form, right? So, what are some of the tips that you might have for people that are managing that?
1: Well, Your biggest thing is let's say that you are using Gatsby right and you have someone creates a new blog post I mean, this is such a canned example. It's ridiculous Um, So I create a new blog post, but I have a static site and let's say I'm a content manager I'm like, why is my site not rendering? Why am I not seeing my blog post? Well, it's because your solution hasn't built right yet, right? It hasn't rebuilt because there's new content there Um, a lot of the major players now all have webhooks Um, and if you go to any um, modern out of the I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out of the box right now I know we're really heavily invested in AWS and we can do all the custom configuration
0: we want. But yeah, let's, but let's say put that aside. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, let's go let's go beyond that. Hmm. Netlify's your renders your mm-hmm. um, versals your um, trying to think of some more
0: now is another one I've heard of. Now,
1: well now was now basically it's synonymous with Versal. There, that's what they're interesting.
0: That's where it came from. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, like those, those those solutions say, all right. In or if you want to redeploy your build or redo your build, um, here's the webhook that you call. So you, when in your content systems, you can basically say, when I change my content, I want you to call this specific endpoint, and that'll retrigger a build. So you, a lot of the ways that you would retrigger builds is uh, dynamically through webhooks. That's kind of the only way. Uh, it's, it's more of like an industry, st- not industry standard, but more of an accepted standard when you kind of get to
0: these tools. Yeah. It's like with a lot of CI tools, for example, that's your, your webhook triggers everything. So mm-hmm. it's similar. Yeah. So instead of scheduling something with cron, you'd make sure that whenever the content's been updated, you trigger a generation of the site and then hopefully okay. have a good notification system for when that doesn't work. So you can figure out what blew up and keep the old site there, I would guess. Uh, yep.
1: Typical, typical emails. Typical text messages. Right. Yeah, exactly. Typical CI.
0: Okay, cool. Oh, this has been great. I really appreciate you spending the time on this with us. This has been really fascinating. I think it uh, a lot of people are interested in this, and it's good to hear someone who's been working with it for a while to, to get a feel for, like, what what kind of issues you run into and the types of tools you use. So
1: really yeah. appreciate it, Drew. Of course. I mean, when it comes down to it, I would completely suggest using a React framework. Um, pick which. No. You? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think an interesting thing to talk about too, is that you can still do your traditional single page application with the Create React app. But where it really breaks down is when you want to go outside the bounds and doing your own things. Yeah. Um, React, or the Create React app locks everything down. Everything yep. from the version of TypeScript that you use to um, what things that you can or can't add. Um, if you want to upgrade your ESLint plugin, you can't. You have mm-hmm. to check your app and you manage everything by yourself. Right. Whereas Gatsby and Next, they offer two different varying uh, approaches on how you interact with the build system, but they do take care of the builds for you, but they give you a little bit more room to breathe if you do wanna edit certain things and, and adjust certain things and, and tweak certain things. So, you know, ultimately don't, and I've done this before, um, don't build your own webpack config. Um, don't create your entire build True. system. Right. Uh, don't, don't start from, from nothing you know they're
0: it, it's it's been can, done before
1: yeah like lot better
0: people than you doing it quickly on your own exactly so yeah. these,
1: these companies are here for a reason these tools are here for a reason yeah. because they've found best practices in doing this stuff always use a build system always use a framework because it just doesn't it doesn't really it's not worth your time you know unless you want to deep dive and understand you know how your Loaders need to be stacked inverse rather than uh, in the order that you would expect, right? That'll burn you yeah. too. And it does so. seem
0: like if you're very uh, tied to dynamicism, really, you know, next gives you a lot more features and options. And if you're if you need to do things that are, you know, uh, tweaking things during build time, uh, you've got the webpack configuration right there to work with. So, like, of the two of them, if one's more standard content only. Uh, that you're generating. Gatsby seems to be more what you would look at. And Next is better for, you know, if you have Ajax calls to make or files to SIP or anything like that. It just seems like a a more feature-rich thing. But the good news is you're still using React in both cases. So get good at React. There's a lot of tools out there that really use it to their advantage.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the same fundamentals come down to React. You need to worry about what components are re-rendering. You need to worry Mm -hmm. about what types of props you're passing. You know, are you using callbacks? Are you using... The effects properly like all the same paradigms and rules and tools of react still apply so yeah. getting good at react you're ultimately going to get good at one of these one of these solutions too
0: and get good at react with typescript because then you've got typing and you're not going to make as many mistakes
1: <laughs> don't, don't ever use javascript again
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah i love what typescript has done i mean it can be a little obtuse at first to pick up but the thing is it's a really powerful little compile time language it's really yeah. useful so yeah then, All right, man. Thank just, you so much. Yeah.
1: I'm happy, happy to happy to, happy to to talk about it too. One thing I will admit is that I believe, um, and we're just getting into it right now, the support um, and idea of server-side rendering for progressive web apps is a little bit more pure on the Next.js side than it is on the Gatsby side.
0: Is it? Okay. Okay. Good to know. All right. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for Take having care. me. Mm-hmm. All right. All right.